Hello, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, just published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. What makes them tick? In this episode, I had a great conversation with Kimberly Dwinell, Director of Global Diversity and Inclusion for the Northrop Grumman Corporation. Kimberly and I discussed the impact of inclusion and diversity and belonging initiatives and how they affect collaboration in an organization as large and complex as Northrop Grumman. I am thrilled to welcome Kimberly Dwinell. Uh, she is, I should say, she's a friend. I, I count her as a true friend and a longtime client at Northrop Grumman. But let me, let me read her uh, bio so that I get it right. Kimberly Dwinell is the Director of Global Diversity and Inclusion for Northrop Grumman Corporation. She's responsible for the strategic direction, implementation, and alignment of the company's integrated global diversity and inclusion initiatives. Kimberly manages initiatives designed to foster inclusive workplace behaviors, including coaching on diversity issues, creating educational vehicles for expanding workforce knowledge about diversity, and developing employee networks and communications plans for diversity. Kimberly Duinell, welcome to the industry. Thank you. Thank you. You have a, a long career in corporate social justice work. Uh, that's a big topic right now. Absolutely. So uh, yes. you lead mission-driven work within a mission-driven organization. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, I do. And can you uh, speak about the mission-driven nature of your work? Um, right now, I, and I'll talk, it, it's always changing depending on what's going on in the culture, both internally and externally. But right now, we're very much focal focus on social justice and unity. And what that means is to really have people understand diversity and inclusion and the sense of belonging. That's very critical, along with educating people. We're really doing a lot in unconscious bias, micro inequities, um, because you know, if you have a brain, you're biased. And people, I think sometimes they just don't get it. They don't realize that they do have biases that carry on throughout their lives. And until they understand that and admit they have biases, we're not trying to tweak and change everyone, but admit it, then they can go forward and have better relationships with each other. Because I always say in my courses that I teach is you're as different as you are alike. Someone like Bruce, I'm sure you and I, if we talked on and on, we have some type of interest that is similar that we wanna go and I'll bring up like, oh, on my bucket list, I wanna go skydiving. And then maybe someone in the room says, oh my gosh, I, I've done that before. So there's that little connection that can really build an ongoing relationship. Yeah, whereas I would be too scared to go skydiving. Ah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for people who don't know about Northrop Grumman, there are how many employees at Northrop Grumman? We have 90,000 employees worldwide. And the majority of them are based in California and the metropolitan, we say Northern Virginia, Maryland, and DC area. That's where the majority, but we have employees in every state, along with we have uh, overseas, about 5,000 overseas, but the rest are here internally. And for, are, sorry, not internally domestic. 
And, and, and for those who don't uh, know too much about the work, of course, some of it is classified, but uh, are, there, uh, are there things you can tell the, the listening audience? Well, like COVID-19, Northrop Grumman's very key with that, and we have a huge contract with CDC. So when you talk about COVID-19 and a lot of the information or collateral that's being developed, Northrop Grumman's developing that. Our folks are developing that down in Atlanta. Um, state and local, 911 systems were very involved in that, whether in police areas or even airports. We have developed and designed in Chicago here the, the uh, control center. Uh, and that was really fun. That was years ago when I was an HR director. I was able to go down underneath Chicago here and see what a city's like underneath an airport. So we wow. do a lot of state and local um, and health services. And then we do the IRS, a lot of systems we build, in fact, and, and really support the military building the bomber, the B, we've done the bomber. I saw it was absolutely beautiful, the stealth bomber that was going to be delivered the next day and we build that. So there's a lot of things we do and a lot of things we do that if I told you, we always joke and say, I'd have to kill you because it's classified. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so thank you for sharing some of the, the, the range of work. I, I think um, when, when I have men and women in uniform on this podcast or uh, who have served in uniform, of course, it's clear what they're doing to keep America strong and the world yeah. safe. Uh, I had a, 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 a director of emergency room nursing on. It's clear what she's doing to keep America strong and the world safe. But I think a lot of people don't realize how much work goes on that requires brainstorming and research and then design and development. Um, I know that uh, Northrop Grumman does a lot of very, very important work. And with a population of 90,000 people, the size of a lot of cities, your role is to ensure a working climate of inclusiveness and diversity. And uh, I, I believe I learned uh, from you and some of your colleagues to put the term inclusion before diversity. Sure, and then also belonging. Belonging is a big thing because what, what you can do with diversity and to explain why everything is so important, I look at diversity as more like numbers, you know, and the different um, affinities, the race, ethnicity. And then, and so you can have all of that, but if you don't have inclusion, then it's, the diversity doesn't matter. You have to have inclusion. But on top of that, it's almost like, okay, you have someone, you invite them to the table, that's being inclusive, right? You've invited them to the table. But if they don't feel that their voice is being heard or they're accepted while they're at the table, then they're not feeling that they belong in this group of people and that they have value. So it's really looking at inclusion and bringing people to the table but also giving them the sense that they belong and that their, their differences of opinions are very well accepted. And that is what breeds innovation. It's that everyone doesn't have the same think and keep thinking the same. And that when you have this diverse group at the table, everyone's open to people's uh, recommendations that might be different from yours. And it's not the same old, same old thing that is, because then you turn, 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 it's like whitewater and you can't get out of it. But then when people feel they're belonged in this group, 
then they're going to be even more engaged and it's going to be more. And that's where we, we prove that the bottom line is more profitable to the company that when you have a diverse population that very much feels included, that they're going to perform at a higher level of engagement and belonging. And it's, it's going to, it's going to impact the bottom line. The profitability will be there. And it turns out, right. The data shows that a diverse group uh, will always outperform Yes. A homogeneous group, but only if the diverse members of the group feel a genuine sense of inclusion and belonging. Yes, absolutely. Because if you think of diversity, and we really want people to think of diversity of more than just race and ethnicity, it can be education, it can be function. I mean, we've learned that when you have, you're trying to problem solve a technical solution, you need more than just the techies at the table. Because you need, you know, they have the same think pattern or it's, they think this is the way it is, they've learned in school or that it's always been done this way. But someone who's from the outside has a very unique perspective and might be learning. And then also when you have, say the business finance people, they're looking at what's the best cost effective solution. You, they, the customer might not be asking for the Mercedes, they might just be asking for the Chevrolet. So you, they'll keep them reined in to say, perform, perform at the right of what the customer's asking. So having the di different diverse functions at the table is also beneficial too. And um, now Northrop Grumman, because uh, you all are a, a technology solutions organization, you have to drive collaboration uh, across silos, across functions. I know that's a big priority for the organization. 90,000 people working across geographical boundaries, across organizational silos, across uh, various categories of difference, of identity, and um, as you say, uh, ethnic background, and every, every category. What would you say uh, are some of the cultural aspects of the company that drive that kind of collaboration across silos Values are what we live by. That's the first thing. I mean, that's what would keep any of our CEOs or leaders up at night is you could have one person behave inappropriately and it could shut down our business. I mean, the government could shut us down. So it's, it's really, we stand behind our ethics, integrity, the values that we have as far as um, the behavior. And we've demonstrated that recently where people on the social justice have just had some incredibly um, unfortunate language that they've used on their social media when they're not supporting our people and they're doing it in their social media. How can these people who have such hatred, right, for someone other than themselves come in and work as a team? So we have had to terminate people because they haven't lived by the Northrop Grumman values as a result of the recent social social justice and unity that we're really pushing in, in our company and really explaining what that means. So um, that's what we, we stand behind and that's what drives the culture. The culture is that honesty, integrity, the safe to speak up. We want people to feel it's safe to speak up. Have a difference of opinion, that's okay. Because again, as I said earlier, that's what drives innovation. The difference of opinions, the difference of building technology, you can do it more efficient, more effective, 
maybe not the same way that you've been doing it for the last 20 years. You change or tweak something just minimally that people didn't think about that someone's offered a solution and that can drive unbelievable performance. So again, it's that working together that is so critical, the teamwork and being open to differences. Yes, so you say you said two things I wanna draw a bright line under. Uh, one, the nature of innovation, as you say, it can be a small tweak. Uh, and really innovation almost always comes from uh, one small tweak here and another small tweak here and another small tweak here, right? Innovation ends up being an iterative recalibration, right? Continuous improvement over time. So in order to drive that kind of innovation, uh, you have to have people feel comfortable speaking up and contributing their point of view and their, their uh, different idea. And, and, and I appreciate that right now in today's environment, especially uh, there's an emphasis on social justice. Where does that meet up with the culture of collaborative innovation that has defined Northrop Grumman for a long, long time? Collaboration is key. Um, you know, people are our company. You know, without people, we're not going to be a company. And the people are the anchors. The relationships are absolutely key. And really, the source uh, to achieve and assist in achieving and solutioning and getting things done, all of that collaboration will help that achievement and also providing the solutions, and it helps get things done. So, and the collaboration across functions, as you've said before, are absolutely key. You can't do it in a silo. You need everyone across different functions so that you can use their brain power to really solve and to achieve what it is that you want to achieve as the end product. But by doing that collaboration, you have to really let people know what it is that you want. You have to clearly communicate what's your end goal. And you can, so, you can solution it by brainstorming together, you have to give a, a timetable. It's like, how do you need it? Or, and when do you need it? Is all that you, you continually say as you're collaborating across the functions. If someone's late, it might give that, that um, you know, in delivering what they, they need to deliver, you just, you keep that positive attitude as a collaborator, especially as a leader. And I've seen that recently with the amount of, and I'd say the deliverables, and I'd say the stress, unfortunately, you know, stress is out there today. The stress that I'd say my function is really under, uh, is under right now, especially with what's going on, whether it's COVID, whether it's the social justice and unity that we're really pushing out. But it's as a leader to very much keep, when you're explaining how as a group, everyone has to come together and you focus on those individual strengths to look, work with other individual strengths on your team. So we had to, within a three-day period, turn around a social justice and unity portal for the company, which meant build it and bring resources in and provide talking points for leaders on how to have those courageous conversation, or we say courageous, candid, or uncomfortable conversations, get training out there and just a continuous churn and it was a weekend and so we were having two uh, two meetings one saturday morning one saturday night and you know i didn't get complaints from the people they had this passion to deliver for the organization to ensure that 
it was clearly understood the unconscious bias, what we can do, what, what was the leadership wanting to um, communicate to the employees on how important this time was and what our expectations were for people. So I was very proud of my group on how well they collaborated. And you know, even though you're diversity and inclusion, not all of them are the same because I have a e person who was an engineer who turned into diversity and he's phenomenal on project management. And then I have a creative, a techie who's creative. So I, I knew what we had to deliver in the short period of time. So I, I divided up two teams of diverse skills and we were able to deliver it on the third day exactly and even more than what was wanted. And is Northrop Grumman, I know some of our clients are really putting a foot forward. Uh, is Northrop Grumman going out of your way to say Black Lives Matter? Yes. Oh, absolutely. We've had focus groups. We've come back and asked our Black community what it is they want, what they need from Northrop Grumman to feel comfortable. So there's a lot of conversations. There's conversations with the executive leadership. Uh, we've had videos with the executive leaders. We've had uh, not only the focus groups, but town halls on absolutely articulating what the dem their demands are as far as being inclusive and, and supportive of all of our employees. It's really a fascinating nexus because Northrop Grumman, you know, I know because of course I've known Northrop Grumman uh, through a number of people, but, but, uh, but through you and your mission. Uh, so I know that it's a big point of, of emphasis for the company and for the culture. And it's an interesting nexus because a lot of your technology also uh, supports law enforcement. So it's an interesting nexus of the culture of Northrop Grumman with some of the mission work of Northrop Grumman. And to show also how we've, we've supported others and, and what the expectation is, our CEO recently did focus groups with the LGBT community to say, what's on your mind? And so she literally did in person. So, and we had someone to be in a note taker, came back and our organization developed a lot of programs to better support and have the LGBTQ plus community feel more engaged and accepted within the community. So we've done some great things with all, all the affinities within Northrop Grumman. We're always asking them, what can Northrop do better to help provide for them as individuals? Yeah, and maybe people don't know. I mean, Northrop Grumman is a, a what, what is the billion dollar, zillion dollar, I know 90,000 employees and how many zillion dollars? There, over 30 billion. Yeah, and, and, but, but what a lot of people don't know uh, that Northrop Grumman, uh, I think, should be very proud of uh, your CEO, and um, maybe you can explain. Yes, Kathy Warden, and she's one of five, I think it's five now, females yep. in, in the, for the top, you know, fortune companies. So, and she's phenomenal. She's just phenomenal. And, you know, one thing, she listens um, she does show empathy and she has expectations that people will perform and those who don't perform, you know, or support the values, they're gone. You have, you have, uh, uh, also, um, uh, the head of security is also a person. Oh, Mary uh, Rose. She had a very interesting, I'll say, just go online and, and see where she came from. Um, one of the intelligent agencies and she's just a phenomenal person. Now that's someone who- She was who, the head of security for the CIA and the only, yes. the only female head of security in the history yes. of the agency. And you know what? And, and, and she's not a tough cookie either. 
She's wonderful. People reach out to her. She's a very can-do. She's indispensable. I uh, use her so many times and ask her for help. Uh, and she's just always there for you. And she's a can-do. And you can think about how, you know, I have a problem. What, what's your position on this so I can get back to employees? And she's always there for you. She's, as I say, she's unbelievably indispensable. Yeah, and if you think she's not a tough cookie, if you're not scared of her, let me just tell you something, you should be. Well, I probably, <laughs> probably, but I have a good, a great, I'll say better than good, great working relationship with her. So we've been very, very um, fortunate. The absolute leadership gets it. And we've, we've provided a lot of programs and education, so much so they get it that they can, they can talk it and, and, and explain it to their folks they don't need our help because we've already trained them well. Yeah, well, I think it's really important because um, I think what I, what I think you've led in the organization is a journey uh, from when diversity and inclusion and belonging was something that folks thought, well, it's something we have to do and it's something that we're supposed to show support for to something that they've come, people have come to realize that, wait a minute, number one, this is how we make sure to it reflect uh, a diverse marketplace of decision makers. Number two, this is a way that we have more talent, that we're not leaving talent on the table, that we're bringing people in and making them want to be part of our world. And number three, it, it truly drives innovation. And Northrop Grumman is innovation. Innovation is Northrop Grumman. That's so much of of what drives the, the business ultimately and the value proposition, right? I mean, well, right, and it's not a flavor of the day. For 10 years, we've had executive goals in diversity and inclusion. And what we do is look at the representation, both internal to the company, but external to the company. And, and people's bonuses are, you know, they it's determined on how diverse they are and how inclusive they are in the organization. We have our employee survey that measures both um, inclusion and engagement of individuals' teams. So there is accountability there with the employees and also the leadership of the company. Yeah, and I think you know you really should uh, should be credited for leading that journey. Um, and um, tell me about how people in the organization how they reach across how you and your colleagues. Um, reach across silos uh, in order to find collaborators in different disciplines and different departments, different divisions, different teams, uh, in order to pull together the teams that they need to drive the innovations they mm -hmm. need to drive. Well, I can give a personal experience. I was, um, let's see, there was a person who was leaving the company. I heard that there was a program that was going on and it was to develop design and develop this connect one ng uh, it was an employee resource group but it was we determined that we had some problems with our new hire it's a zero to three employees and and everyone was doing something across the united states but doing it differently so i wanted i was task i took i went over down and i met the vice president who was sponsoring it i wanted to see if we connected and we could collaborate together and then um i really clicked with him and he said go do it and i said okay i didn't tell you that i'm taking the project but i will now uh, <laughs> so i he said well it's probably going to take you six to nine months and maybe even a year and i said no i don't think so but let me i want to hand pick the team so i picked 
people from across the United States in all different functions. I had business finance, communications, I had engineers, I had, in fact, engineers too, and I've stayed in touch with them. And these are friendships that I have kept forever after the relationships were built very strong. And so I had them come in, I had, we flew them in and we spent less than actually two days, one day, and sort of brainstormed. They brought all their best products that they had, had built on supporting the zero to three year employees. We built that, to, took the best of everything. And, and I tell you, that was one of the hardest. And I think about the headache I went home at night with really normed and stormed and formed as a group. Everyone wanted to be listened to. And we finally built in less than three months, this program that is actually today, it's, they, it's a phenomenal group of over, I'd say we probably have over 15,000 employees in this employee resource group that does give back to the organization. And it's very, very strong and very committed to their tenants, what ERGs, giving back and building the best for the business. It's not a social club, but it's a variety of people from all different skills. And actually, since they've been zero to three, it was focused on, people have stayed in this group because it has been so engaging with the company. They get access to the leadership. Um, our CEOs have attended their, their, some of their meetings. So it's that relationship and that exposure that they were able to get, but it has made a difference. But that was the toughest group that I've ever facilitated in all of my years, only because they were brilliant. They were, I handpicked them. I knew they were, they were most of them, I'd say the variety, at least 80% were on our succession planning, came from all across, all different disciplines, but um, and they were strong personalities, but we were able to achieve this in less than three months. So I was very proud of, because of the diversity, the collaboration, the listening, and the excitement and the commitment that people had to get this project done. And that's what made them uh, such a success. And it, we still talk about, you know, the day that we met with all the vice presidents and I let them and see, I don't take the credit. You give the credit to the people who really worked it. I just was leading at the end and trying to guide them. And so the, the ambition and they took such pride and they, they also were making an impact to the business. And to this day, this group does make a continuous impact, but it was the people that allowed me to be indispensable because they were indispensable with me. And so the, if, just to make sure I understand, it sounds like what you're saying is the, the, the business goal there uh, was to improve engagement and retention among zero to three year employees. Yes. And, um, and, and the reason that's so important is because these are folks who um, uh, in, in Northrop Grumman, so often they're STEM uh, area yes. trained, right? Science, technology. They have the newest technology from college. And right. so, and, and this was the group, it was really for the young and career in the group. Yep. And so, and you know, they are engaged, they are engaged and they're very excited. And so the zero to three year uh, employees, of course, that's something that I'm very interested in. And these, these young uh, uh, technical wizards who come in and then, you know, you teach them how to, how to, how to use their skills at Northrop Grumman. And of course, if they leave within three years, then that's devastating to the organization, right? So the, right. The, the, the business value of 
figuring out a way to uh, create more engagement and more retention among that population uh, really can't be underestimated. Right, and once you have them there for three years, studies do show that they're, they'll stay longer. If they, you know, people stay because they have a friend or they have this community of friends that they can connect to because usually when they're right out of college, you know, they're moving to a new location, they might not have friends in that city, and so they need to feel this connection or a bond with others somewhat like themselves. So, you know, because they'll go to happy hour, whereas maybe some of the mature folks who have children or grandchildren and have other responsibilities don't have that availability to go to, you know, to go out and go out to dinner, what have you. So it's that connection. And then once people have these friends at, at work and, and they, they'll talk business and they'll find, you know, solutions here or there or just continue to work together or refer people. I have seen that in this group, when people don't have that answer, especially in that technology field, that they'll, they'll refer someone else that they might know as a result of being also a member in Connect and they'll work together. So it's both a business advantage and a personal advantage for those individuals. And so those, those individuals become go-to people for each other when they have uh, a, a, one of them might be a specialist in one area or one of them might have answers or experience in another area. Let, let, me, let me just take you back to um, the story you told of the putting, handpicking the yes, individual yes. part of that. When you are going to handpick a cross-functional team for such an important business goal, what do you look for in the individuals um, when, when you're trying to assemble that kind of a team? You said you handpicked them. What, what kind of traits and characteristics are you looking for? Sure. I want people who have ambition, who take pride. Uh, they knew that at this time, this team, because we were under the gun to deliver something, it wouldn't be just an eight hour day. It would be even longer because they were flying in and I had to take, you know, when the, their business was paying for the cost, we, I had to take advantage of every hour that I did have them. I mean, I even to the point, and they laughed at me, I would bring in dinner. It was almost like working a proposal. You know, right. you're gonna work there until the boss tells you you can go. But they were so ambitious. And then even some would go back to the hotel and continue that conversation. So there are people who wanted to learn also and to be part of it and wanted to also have their voice heard, the go-getters, you know, but not go-getters that they were going to be so obnoxious, but people who were going to be very productive and move out on things. And, it, you know, thought leaders get team players and be committed on the quality and the work ethic for, for that. So those are the characteristics I was looking for. And, and even though the, some of the 80% were say in the succession planning, I didn't look at that as far as that was all that I wanted because you, know, you could be on the succession plan today and off next year. And so you want people who just have a wide variety of interests and curiosity and, and like, um, a commitment, a passion, a passion to achieve and to deliver for the company. We're committed to the company. Yeah, and I like what you say that, uh, I like your candor uh, when you say that you want somebody who's ambitious, but not obnoxious. Because no, 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 you know, no, let, no. let's be honest about that, that you, you, you want somebody who wants to make a contribution, is willing to work hard, 
wants to uh, make an impact, wants their voice to be heard, um, but is also uh, able to manage relationships with other people who fit those same criteria. Because attitude is everything. You know, you, you want to have that person who people feel comfortable with and not to ignore because that's a lost team player, a lost asset, if I've, if I've chosen incorrectly and had an obnoxious person. But yeah, someone who's passionate and always someone who's trying to offer solutions. And also the other thing is someone who's current. And when I say current on trends and maybe what other companies are doing, it's really in my job, it's very important to make sure that we are leading and not lagging and so in my way is my, at my level, it's important that I have these relationships and the connections and I can collaborate outside of the company for that, that new idea that someone else might have. So that's what's important to me is my network out there and that we are not competing against each other, but we're collaborating with each other. And right. so that's what I find such an advantage to my networks that are external from Northrop Grumman also, we help each other. And that goes such a far way. Like my, my boss might say, well, what's com you know, XYZ company doing? And I can make the phone call and just say, can you share? Now there's some things that are a competitive advantage that you're not gonna share, but right. the, it's that network of collaborating. And, I, and of course, me being in diversity and inclusion, it's not just about Northrop Grumman, it's about everyone and it's about really collaborating with everyone to make it a better world. I don't want it to sound so soft and gentle and touchy-feely, but it is. We're, especially now today, people have to realize they have to reach outside of their area of what they always know to make this a better world. We, we have so much opportunity to make it better. And, and I see that so much more right now with my diversity counterparts, diversity and inclusion counterparts, working together to make it better, not only in their company, but also externally. Yeah, and it's, you know, with all of this attention on issues of social justice, and of course all those issues were there, it's just that now uh, bright light and handheld yeah. uh, supercomputers are shining on them. Um, so we're becoming more aware of them. But, but this is all layered on top of months of COVID stress, you and your colleagues must be working remotely, uh, many of them. And uh, so that's layered on top of um, the, the issues that we've been focused on um, uh, in, in, in the most recent weeks. But, but how, how have you and your colleagues managed that stress? Well, I can, from a personal, and I'll say, we do a lot of webinars. We've, we're finding out, you know, our employees are, are, employees everywhere are more stressed. Having to try to work full time, I'm, I think my, my son has grown and his grandchildren are, are with him, but I just couldn't imagine being a mother having, and our father having to take care of little kids who aren't in daycare because their daycare is closed, plus having to work more than a full-time job right now. So um, we've provided tools. We also have resources uh, to look at uh, daycare providers. We have a daycare provider or vendor that does do some temporary daycare services for the employees. We also have, um, the webinars are key 
uh, and every day, in fact, I clicked it off. We, every day you can go and have a 15 minute sort of a meditation. You can go online and we have this one woman who leads meditation at one particular time at Northrop and you can, you know, just decompress. And I did it, I've done it once. Um, and I, and I absolutely loved it. And that 15 minutes did all that made all the difference. But then in, in, in addition, my team, I'll have a, every two weeks, I have a check-in and you're not allowed to talk work. It's almost like lunchtime check-in and you can talk about what you're doing. And we also have done a little mini newsletter of looking outside your window and what you can see outside your window. So people took pictures and sent it in and I had one person put together, this is what you see, or this is what's important to me now. So there's that little thing to take people's mind off work and these um, ever pressing commitments that you have, the goals, and just be real and talk about. We, we laugh at some of our folks haven't shaved, like are growing beards or <laughs> had their hair cut or their hair um, highlighted. <laughs> I cut my own hair. They haven't, they haven't their place is not open. So, um, and we I, did, I did it myself. Look, it looks great. It looks <laughs> great. Um, but no, we've, we've had some really one-on-one connect, not only one-on-one, but oh, we also have a mentoring program. I have a person that I really didn't know about that's in another function that I meet on a bi-weekly basis to just check in and see and learn a little more about her. Now she's in the big overall global corporate responsibility. She's in corporate citizenship function, but she loves D&I and, and I said, hey, I'll, I'll talk to anyone during this time and even after. And you know, you keep these conversations to just check in. So we're having that personal connection is critical to trying to de-stress de people. Um, I've, talk, I've had to talk to one-on-ones with people in my organization and just you know, having that ear and the empathy of what they're going through and trying to recommend different things they can do to help themselves just because they are, because they might have an elder, elderly uh, person living with them now and they might have, you know, plus their, their children. So uh, a lot of people have a lot of things on their shoulders that you really don't know about until you go and reach out and talk to them. And I am, I am at the detriment sometimes of my family. I am available at all hours is what I tell my staff. Well, Kimberly Dwinell, a true indispensable go-to person doing mission-driven work within a great mission-driven organization, Northrop Grumman. Thank you for being a guest on The Indispensables. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity and seeing you again. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Any little bit helps to drive us up the charts. You can learn more about go-to-ism and the techniques which make indispensable people stand out in their jobs and careers and lives in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, available wherever books are sold. If you're interested in bulk orders, please check the show notes for more information. And finally, you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com, by following me on Twitter, at Bruce Tulgan, or find me on LinkedIn and Facebook at the links in the show notes. Until next time, 
Stay strong and be indispensable at work. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Any little bit helps to drive us up the charts. You can learn more about GoToism and the techniques which make indispensable people stand out in their jobs and careers and lives in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, available wherever books are sold. If you're interested in bulk orders, please check the show notes for more information. And finally, you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com, by following me on Twitter, at Bruce Tulgan, or find me on LinkedIn and Facebook at the links in the show notes. Until next time, stay strong and be indispensable at work.